We meet today in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 to verse 17. Again, we are still looking at the program for the world in connection with Christ's coming. Today, specifically looking at the lawless one who will appear in the great tribulation. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9. Now here, this is the Antichrist, Satan's man. He is called the man of sin, the lawless one. And when he comes, he will come according to the working of Satan. The working of Satan is with all power, signs, and lying wonders. That sounds like some of the things I see today. He will come according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. What does this mean? First of all, we see satanic power here presented by Paul. This reflects the counterfeit nature of the lawless one. Too many counterfeits are there today. I do not know where we have found this business of failing people in the purported name of the Holy Spirit. There is this business of making people laugh, claiming to be laughing in the Holy Spirit, the slaying of the people. And there is the crying where people just started crying uncontrollably. Even people are going to the extent of talking about objects. Handkerchiefs and clothes are being sent from place to place. People claiming to have power. There is the counterfeit nature of the lawless one. This is why I even said earlier on that I believe that we are towards the end of that time where the lawless one is revealing himself but not in the full measure. Three terms usually are associated with the miracles of Jesus. The three terms are powers, signs, and wonders. Those were associated with the miracles of Jesus. And the satanic power now will try and counterfeit those very words, those very subjects, those very miracles that Jesus performed. And here Paul selected them to describe the false satanic miracles performed by the men of sin. I am not asking you to name anyone, but I'm asking you to be very careful, to be watchful when all things are being brought in the name of power, signs, and wonders. And specifically here, the men of lawlessness will have lying wonders, meaning to say there is a pretense. Let's talk about power. Power here is the Greek word dunamis. It means a physical force whose source is supernatural. You see, the man of lawlessness will be quite a healer and a miracle worker. The devil will send this man with power and signs and lying wonders. That is the reason why it is important for us to get our eyes off men and to get them on Christ and walk by faith. Remember that even in the Egyptian encounter of Moses and the magicians of Egypt, they demonstrated the power too. Power does not necessarily mean that God 
is there. And the man of lawlessness counterfeits the God's power. Signs here simply means tokens. And tokens have the purpose of appealing to the understanding. This man will have signs which will appeal to the scientific world of that day as well as to the politicians and the religious world. You see, will come up with things that appeal even to the sophisticated. People who are not rooted and grounded in the word of God will fall for all kinds of signs because they are tokens that appeal. And then lying wonders will produce here an effort upon observers. In that day, people all over the world will be talking about the man of sin, saying, well, this world ruler we have is a great fellow. Look at what he can do. Who is it that will fall for his lying wonders? Well, those who do not believe the gospel are the ones who are quick to fall for his lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, they might be saved. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 10. You see, the men of lawlessness will do this with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I do believe that the gospel is going to go out to the ends of the earth. But those who refuse to receive the truth will believe the lying wonders of the men of lawlessness, the lawless one. The unrighteous decision of rejecting God's truth results in their condemnation. My friend, a mind committed to unrighteousness will not entertain the truth and therefore will not be saved. It is a mind which is destined to lead one astray. And my friend, a distaste for truth evidences a distaste for God. If you do not like the truth, it simply means you do not like God. For God is truth. And all truth is God's truth. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 11. You see, God will let the world believe in a lie. Why? Because the world has persisted in refusing to believe the truth. It isn't that a little unfair. Someone might say, is that not unfair for God to do that? No, it's just like what it was when God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh wasn't weeping for the children of Israel. He wasn't being held from his good intentions by God. No, no, no. If you think that, you are actually missing the point. Pharaoh did not want to let the people go. And what God did was to force him to make a stand and come to a decision. God forced him into a situation which revealed what was already in his heart. Now we see a lot of people today uh, footing around today. They won't take a stand for God. They won't listen to the gospel. They are closed to the gospel. You know what God does? He graciously gives them his word, but they don't want it. After they have heard the word of God, but have refused to accept it, 
God will then send them a strong delusion. That's what the word of God says. Why? Because they would not receive the truth. Then they are open to believe the lie. Believe a lie. That's what you want. According to Paul, in Romans chapter 1, he gave them over to delusion or to a depraved mind. And therefore, they ended up doing the unthinkable. They ended up speaking the unspeakable, exchanging the glory of God for a lie, worshipping the creature instead of the creator. People insisting in doing wrong. People who have stopped going to churches where they heard the gospel are wide open to even to the cults and isms of our day. They are open really to the occult. They can be swallowed by all kinds of isms and all kinds of evil that surrounds us. Into spiritism, they go into these areas. That is why so many of the cults today go around on Sunday morning knocking at the doors. You know why they do that? They know that the weak people will not go to church on Sunday morning. They are not interested enough in the word of God to be in church. Then the cults know that they can get those people. Because if they will not receive the truth, they are open for anything that comes along. Those who are not willing to receive the truth are willing to open lies. They are willing to open even Satanism. I have been amazed at some intelligent people who have sat in church, heard the gospel, rejected it, and then turned to the wildest cults imaginable. They will follow some individual who is absolutely a liar, a phony, not giving out the word of God at all. What is the reason? Because God says it is that way. When people reject the truth, they will believe a lie. God is separating the sheep from the goats. God uses the best way in the world to do it. If people will not receive the love of the truth, then God sends them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. What is a lie? The lie of Antichrist is that Jesus Christ is not the Lord, that he is not who he says he is. He will tell people that they are really smart, in not becoming religious nuts who believe in Jesus. He will have some good explanations for the departure of the saints from the earth at the rapture, and he will congratulate people on having waited to build a kingdom on the earth with him. The people will believe him and will believe that the Antichrist will bring them the millennium. They will not realize that they are entering into the great tribulation. That is the lie, and people will believe it because they did not believe the truth. That they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. You see, God is going to judge those who have rejected the truth. If you can sit and listen to the word of God on this radio program and continue to reject Jesus Christ, then you are wide open for anything that comes along to delude and deceive you. You will never be able to go into the presence of God and say, I never heard the gospel. If you turn your back on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are wide open for delusion and you are a subject for judgment. As a believer giving out the gospel, 
I am a saver of life to those that are saved and a saver of death to those who are perishing. Now, you cannot say you have never heard the gospel. You have heard it and you have probably heard it in several different places. If you reject Jesus Christ, then I am a saver of death to you. If you accept Jesus Christ as you hear me right now and accept him as your Lord and Savior, then I am the saver of life to you. What is the practicality of Christ's coming? Well, Paul moves on into the practical side of this epistle. In the light of the knowledge of the future events, the believer should live a life that demonstrates that he believes in the coming of Christ. Believing in the coming of Christ doesn't mean to run out and look up into the sky and stay there and say, Oh, I wish Jesus would come today. That is just religious nonsense, if I may call it. It will be manifest in different ways if a person believes in the coming of Christ. It will affect his attitude towards the word, his walk, and his work. So towards the word is the beginning point. The believer should be established in the word. In the light of Christ's coming, the believer should be established in the word. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Because beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 and verse 14. Well, Paul here introduces a number of words and important observations we need to make them. Sanctification, which means set apart here, indicates consecration or dedication to God. The progressive cleansing or purification of the soul, which is part of the salvation process, is sanctification. Every Christian is sanctified in the sense that he is set apart to God by the power of the Holy Spirit and by his own act of faith. Now, I believe that these two verses give the total spectrum of salvation. In other words, they give you salvation from Dan to Beersheba, if you like, all the way from the past, the present, and down into the future. We see or we observe the first thing. God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. This is so clearly taught in Romans chapter 8. Verses 28 to verse 31, we read, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? That is exactly what Paul is writing here in Second Thessalonians. God from the beginning chose you for salvation. 
that looks back to the past. All I know is what it says here, and I believe it. Do you mean to tell me that God chose us before we even got here? It is true, my friend. Spurgeon used to put it something like this. I am glad God chose me before I got here, because if he had waited until I got here, he never would have chosen me. Isn't that amazing? It simply means that you do not surprise God when you turn to Christ. But there is another side of the coin. Whosoever will may come. The whosoever wills are the chosen ones. And the whosoever wants are the non-elect, the non-chosen. Jesus said in John chapter 7 verse 37, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Well, that's a legitimate offer of salvation, a sincere, definite offer with no complications attached. If you don't come, the reason is not because you are not chosen or elected, not at all. The reason you don't come is that you are not thirsty. That is, you don't think you need a savior. If you are thirsty, then come to Christ, my friend. It settles it. Second observation is through sanctification by the Spirit. You were chosen for salvation. Uh, that was looking back into the past. Now, sanctification through the Spirit looks to the present. You are sanctified both as to position and as to practice. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are in Christ. That is positional sanctification. That is the past tense of salvation. Then there is also the practical side of sanctification, which concerns you, the present. Through the Spirit of God, you are to grow in grace. Not only to experience that sanctification, but you are also to grow in grace and in belief in truth. Now, that means a believer is going to study the Word of God. That is the way he is going to grow and develop. No other way will enable you to grow in your faith. What is the goal for which this is going? Well, for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is the future. This refers to the rapture. First John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Then there is a statement in Colossians 1 verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, that looks forward to the future. What a glorious, wonderful prospect we have before us here. We see that these two verses have given us the full spectrum of salvation. We have been saved. We are being saved. We shall be saved. It is all the work of God. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Second Thessalonians 2 verse 15. Now Paul is referring to what he had taught them when he was with them. It is the word of God which enables the believer to stand and be stable. 
Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 16 and 17. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ brings comfort and consolation to our hearts. He does this through his word that will establish us in every good word and work. The study of the word of God will lead to the work of God. Not only will the word of God comfort us, but it will also edify us. The word establish you here means we are to be rooted and grounded in the word of God so that we are not carried away by every wind of doctrine. Our minds and our hearts will be centered on him. That will keep us actually from going out after every fad of the day and reading every new book that comes off the press. No, we will be running to little study courses here and there to be built up for the moment. What we need, my friend, we need to be established in the faith. And the word of God does that. It is the word of God then that will lead you to do the work of God. In chapter 3, we will see that the believer should also be established in their walk and in their work down here on earth. You see, it is rather deceitful to yourself and to others to talk about how much you love the coming of the Lord if you do not study his word. Then your belief doesn't manifest itself in your life and it doesn't make you work. If you really believe Christ is coming, my friend, you are going to be busy working for him. You are going to give account to him someday. And if he is coming and if he is going to be here tomorrow, we want to be busy today. We shouldn't have our noses pressed against the window looking for him, actually saying, when is he coming? Or to always be looking up into heaven for him. Instead, we should be looking around at the work of the Lord down here. That is the greatest proof that we believe in the coming of the Lord working and serving him so that when he comes, he finds us doing and he will be happy to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your father's rest. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one. 4475. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 72641-4475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.